Ah, yes. In the immortal words of Judy Brown, happiness is a choice and we're happy you're spending some time with us. Us. Look at my man, Zay Collier. You see me? Yeah, I'm out here, man. I'm outside. I feel you know, like man. I've I feel like I'm meeting a whole new man today. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You're definitely seeing all the five head, but I'm still smooth and clean and you know the skin tone glistening. And yeah, man, we're outside. We're here. I love it. Had to upgrade, man. Had to upgrade. I did, man. Uh, you and John Brown clowning me and stuff. We had John dying laughing last Wednesday, and that's my guy. And yeah, it was funny, but I can't have y'all clowning me no more. So yeah, man, we had to get lit in this thing. You yeah, if me? you're watching us on the YouTube channel, um, Zay last week was lit by a camping lantern, <laughs> which which had the effect of the Barbara Walters soft lens. Now I can see my man 10 and five in crystal clear vision. And you're looking sharp, my man. I appreciate that, man. I appreciate it. You know, I get used to this whole thing, man. We're still new to this, even though we've been going for, feels like a month now or something or close to that. But yeah, man, here at Texas Sports Unfiltered, got to get used to some things and got a brand new light. So we're ready to go. Ready to go. Okay. So I wanted to ask you a question, Zay. Um, you know, when you're looking at uh, when you're looking at the Texas Longhorns, what is your level of concern as we like on a scale of one to ten as we head into Big 12 play? What would be your level of concern? Uh, five. Yeah, I would definitely say five, you know, just quoting my guy, Brad Kellner, you kind of got some UTSD before the PTSD, just, you know, of the past struggling only three Big 12 championships through however long they've been in the Big 12. That's just not many, man. It's not many. And even though everything seems to be going the horns way this year, as far as the rest of the big 12 and how good they have looked when they've been at the top of their game, it's a five because I've seen the both good and bad these last three weeks, the good, obviously the Alabama game, how you handled them, put up 34 points. Defense has been on point first and turn forcing turnovers week after week, getting touchdowns off of turnovers. So yeah, that's cool. And you're three and zero when there's a lot of teams that had a lot of expectations who are not. And the bad, just Quinn yours looking like the old Quinn yours, last week Steve Sarkeesian looking like the old Steve Sarkeesian and some of his play calling just not at the right times not the right schemes and yeah I think that could I think that could be a problem later on down the road again I do not like Steve Sarkeesian saying yo we've been duped two weeks that's the second time that we watched the film and then the team came in and brought the completely different scheme and they fooled us like dog that's literally 101 in coaching <laughs> like that's what i do i remember every single game we had at Bowie high school pops had a different scouting report and we 
follow the scouting report to stop the other team, and we might change some stuff up. One week we might play a 2-3 zone. The next week we might play man. The next week we might play a 1-3-1. Why? Because each team that we played, they might have struggled with each of those things depending on who they were. So, yeah, for Coach Bowl and for Rice to come at Sark and them be a little confused, I don't like that going into the Big 12. I really don't. And you think about the injuries, C.J. Baxter, will he be available in Waco? We know Cole Hudson's going to be out a couple of weeks. Like now injuries are starting to hit the horns. Can they overcome that? We knew it would happen. We just obviously didn't know where the, uh, the injuries would come from. But it happens every single year. And how you can make adjustments and adapt to those injuries, that separates the do's from the don'ts. So, yeah, I'm about at a five chip. And, hey, it could change every week depending on how this Texas football team looks. Okay. All right. Five. That's low. That's a low-level concern. So are you going to ask me? Oh, I thought you were just I, naturally. <laughs> I thought it was just going to be natural that you brought it up. You were just going to get into it. But I, let me be more professional. I'm sorry. How about you, Chip? What do you think? Where's your range? From one well, to- I'm glad that you asked, Zay, um, <laughs> because, you know, I was thinking about it, about this. I did a little deeper dive into the Quinn Ewers performance against Wyoming. And my biggest concern, I'll I'll give you my number here in a second, but my biggest concern about Quinn Ewers is not that he had the third worst completion percentage of his Texas career, 52%, that he started one of six, that he was 11 of, or whatever he was at halftime, it was awful. Um. It's that he's not stepping into his throws all the time. You know, I went back and watched the game again, and that pass that almost got picked off in the end zone, he's throwing it off his back foot. The, the pass to that he sailed over Xavier Worthy, he tried to guide it. Like he was thinking too much. He wasn't just playing. And that's a concern for me because we should be past that. We should be past that. You know, Zay, when I played quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys media football team, the print team against the broadcast team that was coached by Daryl Moose Johnston. Okay. I just got lost in the game. (laughs) I just got lost in the game. I threw for four touchdowns. I ran for another, had two interceptions. I was the MVP, got my picture with the Miller Lite girls. Okay, Chip. What year was this? This was in 2002. Man. 21 short years ago. Yes, I remember it like it was yesterday. What can I say? But when I'm coaching my kids to play in a tennis match, get lost in the game. Get lost in the game. And... Quinn Ewers was not lost in the game. He was just lost at times last week against Wyoming. And look, I'm fully expecting every damn team Texas plays the rest of the way to throw some of that 3-8 cloud at Texas just to see how they respond to it. 
because it took Texas so long to get going against it, against Wyoming, that people are going to be like, you know what? Let's do it. Um, I'm fascinated to see what old Dave Aranda does from Baylor because that's his side of the ball. He's a defensive guy. He fired his coordinator after last season, Ron Roberts, which we'll get to Baylor in a minute because some of their decision-making is a little shoot ready aim, but I would put my level of concern at a six, a six. Um, Because I said coming into the year, I wanted to see how Steve Sarkeesian, A, runs the ball. Like, does he have the confidence to run the ball? And he does have the confidence to run the ball. I'd like to see it established a little bit earlier. And Jonathan Brooks making a pretty strong case right now, Zay. You look at his pro football focus numbers, 17 forced missed tackles in three games, 10 against Wyoming. Okay. If your offensive line is having some issues here and there, like we saw against Rice and against Wyoming, played great against Alabama of all teams, didn't give up a sack to Alabama, gave up three sacks to Rice and um, a horrible sack on third down when my man DJ Campbell looked inside and there was a man named Sebastian Harsh. How do you let a man named Sebastian Harsh treat you harshly and go right by you and throw your quarterback to the ground? Come on, man. You got to keep your eye on a guy named Sebastian Harsh. But I like the way they're running the football with Jonathan Brooks. They're not throwing it to him anymore, Zay. Did you notice that? Yeah, they didn't throw it to him. I mean, even though some of his touchdowns that we've seen have been screen passes, so he can catch the ball is just, you know, kind of like a lot of these guys on this team. They just get caught in dropping it every once in a while. And I get it. They're human. But then on the other side, you're a wide receiver. You're a running back. You're an offensive football player. The reason why you're brought here to play is to do everything catch the ball, run the ball, yards after catch, run crisp routes. Like we expect high level, just eliteness when you come here at Texas. And when you beat yourself, it is alarming, which is why you have them at a six and I have them at a five. Like there's still a lot of things that this team needs to, you know, take care of. And you think about DJ Campbell. Well, you're the man now, all those split reps and stuff over with. At the most important time of the year, now you have even more of a bullseye on your back and you're coming into Waco, a team where Dave Aranda, all he's asked is y'all better beat Texas. That's all he's been asked. You could lose every game, Dave, and if you beat Texas on their way out, shoots, man, you might get an extension. Like That's just – that's how they're treating it. So, I mean – Quinn Ewers, man, I do not like him reverting back to old habits. Like, again, I don't know how my man didn't pick that off, the one in the end zone. Like, that seemed like a very simple just interception catch. But he was probably shocked that, like, wow, this guy really threw this duck up to me. I can't believe it. And, yeah, the horns were fortunate. But, yeah, you know, that 
3-3-5 defense, that's always been a struggle for Quinn Ewers and Steve Sarkeesian. And the more that they've seen it, it seems like they just can't get away with it. At the end of the day, I'm with you, Chip. you got to establish the run early. When you see that and you see only three guys rushing after you, like you got to run the football. And I think Jonathan Brooks, he has earned the RB1 spot. Like C.J. Baxter, hopefully he gets healthy as soon as possible. But I'm not necessarily like – eager to see him with the way Jonathan Brooks is playing. If that's going to take some of 24's reps, like that doesn't make sense to me for a guy that's, you know, CJ Baxter. I know there's a lot of promise five-star coming out of Florida. I get that, but like a lot of guys, including Jonathan Brooks, sometimes you have to wait your turn. And I'll say this about Jonathan Brooks too. You mentioned the missed tackles, 10 missed tackles against Wyoming. When you have one of the greatest ever at avoiding tackles in front of you these last few years and Bijan Robinson, you pick up on some of that stuff. Like becoming a student of the game, that's very smart. If you want to be the best, you need to, you know, take away what some of the greats do. Take a little bit of, Derry, you know, Barry Sanders, a little bit of sweetness, Walter Payne. I know that's before a lot of these guys' time, including myself. But if I was a running back, hell yeah, I'd be looking at that sweetness film. You know, Ricky Williams film, Priest Holmes film, the list goes on, Chip. So for him to watch Bijan Robinson do what he does, like we saw it this weekend in the NFL for Bijan, he went crazy. Jonathan Brooks, he should be able to pick up on those things. And you've seen it here this season in 2023, finally getting it going, especially in that fourth quarter for the Longhorns. Sark can rely on the run game a little more to balance things out. So when teams throw that 3-3-5 defense at you, you got something for it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the answer. Um, they're inviting you to run, so run. Uh, we got this question from my man, Ralph. Chip, what did you think of Sark's reply to your first question at yesterday's press conference? Yeah, I asked Sark about if Quinn Ewer's eyes are in the right place. Is he going through his progression correctly? And Sark was like, what are you asking me? And I was like, well, <laughs> it looked like a couple times he threw deep when he had dudes open underneath. And Sark just said, the whole passing game needs to get better. So I don't think he, I don't think Sark was up for the deep dive into the, into the passing game. Sark said he's going to get it fixed. So we'll, uh, we'll see. But, you know, this, this question also comes in from our man CB. You know, what's up with the no wide receiver rotation? Um, I was, they, they didn't call on me for a second question because I was going to ask about Isaiah Nair. You know, how's he doing? Like, anything we need to know? Because that man ain't seen the field since Rice. Um, and he didn't get on the field until Malik Murphy was on the field. Um, so let's – I'll ask Sark about that on Thursday because – I mean, these dudes are, look, these dudes are talented. They've made big plays. They've made big plays. Uh, through the course of their time at Texas, Jordan Whittington has had a few drops, man. He, I think he's, it's um, it's not like a, a fifth-year guy. Um, uh, 
I'll, I'll, yeah, that, that drop that he had when he was going into motion and Quinn threw it on his right side. So he's going more uh, east-west and he caught, he's trying to catch it on his right side and then turn around left to go back upfield. That's a tough one. That That's a tough one. I wish Quinn would throw it, throw it in front of him so he has some momentum to keep going up the field. But him having to, like, turn behind him, knowing that somebody, he can't see whoever's coming, again, you have to catch it. It hits your hands. You are a wide receiver. But, yeah, Quinn didn't make that one easy for him at all. And that was yeah, a and Quinn, weird call from Sark. Quinn threw it a little bit behind A.D. Mitchell on a pass where Mitchell got squared up and flattened. Um. Got to hit those guys in stride so that they can get all those yards after catch. But the rotation, I mean, okay, Whittington has eight catches for the year. He has at least three drops. And Texas is among the nation's leaders in dropped passes uh, already this season. So that needs to change. And here's my thing about the wide receiver rotation. We talked a little bit about this yesterday, Zay you got to keep a guy like Isaiah Nayer engaged. I mean, if he's – look, if he's truly back from the ACL injury, which I've heard he is, that he's running great, and this is a guy who got 12 touchdowns at Wyoming two years ago, and if A.D. Mitchell moves on to the league, you got to have him ready to go. you got to have him engaged and have a rapport um, within this offense – Keep him bought in. This is a guy who was this close to going to Tennessee with Josh Heupel. Um, and Chris Gilbert, the former Texas liaison for the high school coaches, uh, used his connections in the Dallas-Fort Worth area to get in on Isaiah Nair late, like really late, almost Ethan Burke late, you know? So, yeah, I'd like to – I'd like to see some more guys get involved in the in the uh, receiver rotation because, like I said, I've heard good things about Ryan Niblett. We let's see what DeAndre Moore. I mean, Casey Kane had a good camp. Casey yeah. Kane. We haven't seen none of Casey Kane really, like at all. And he played a lot in 2022, and that's saying something. And yeah, it's a bit odd now that you've mentioned it and. I don't know. I mean, Sart just clearly doesn't trust some of these guys. And you think about Isaiah Nayor, and you've heard all the right things about, you know, just he's moving well. He's not thinking about the knee. He looks like he's back to 100%. But is he there with the playbook? You know, do they have to, if they would put him in the game, do they have to dumb down the playbook? to make it more accessible for him. I don't know. Cause if that's the case, that's not good. If you gotta, you know, if you can't release the whole bag because guys are struggling with the playbook and they don't know where they're supposed to be and they're not in the right position, then that's tough. Like that's tough. Cause now you're making it a lot easier for this defense to stop you because they can know what's coming. They can see, you know, by what formation you're in watching film and stuff. You never want to be basic. And one thing that Steve Sarkeesian, what separates him is that his playbook is just crazy. And he has so many different things going on and so many different things you can do. And it's very complex. So if you don't get it, then I think this is what you're seeing with that wide receiver group. Like they can't trust you. And you think about like John Tay Cook, like dog, 
you, you, I said it yesterday, you don't get too many opportunities. So when you have them, you can't drop the ball. You just can't. You can't. Like Casey Kane, all the drops that he had last year, we don't see him at all this year. I don't even know if he's had a catch. We might have to go back to week one. I still don't remember. Like people probably looking for 88. Nah, y'all, he's number eight now. Folks probably don't even know that, Chip, because you don't see him on the field. So I'm thinking about those Alabama teams and Jerry Judy – Really, he didn't play much over um, – excuse me, not Jerry Judy, Jalen Waddle. He didn't really play much over Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs because those guys were lining up. They were drafted before him, and then Devontae Smith and Jerry Judy got drafted the year following. So, yeah, sometimes you just got to wait your turn because, again, it's so complex. Certain guys, if you don't get it, then you probably won't be on the field very often. And obviously, Adonai, Mitchell, uh, Jordan Whittington, and Xavier Worthy, that's the big three that he trusts. And if you throw JT Sanders in there, then, hey, it's tough for everybody to eat out here in these streets. So, yeah, hopefully the guys can stay locked in. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm about that. I'm about keeping guys engaged, but also you can't talk when you're winning. Like, be careful. Be careful yeah. of throwing the tipper tantrum and stuff. We saw that last year from uh, what's my man's name that came from Alabama that got booed on the car? What's his name? Where oh, he at? Yeah. Uh, uh, see, William, yeah, we had all this hype and stuff, and you hear just rumors around. Dude, he had NIL money, just stealing. Just stealing money from uh, the university. So, hey, you got to buy in. You got to have it all figured out. And it takes a lot to earn Sark's trust. And well, let me tell like you how let me, goes. Let me tell you who's going to eat this week Johnny Barron, Jaron Thompson, the corners. Somebody's getting a pick off of this kid, Sawyer Robertson, because he likes to share the football with the other team. He's got three interceptions um, in two weeks since Blake Shapin went down with that injury. Uh, Sawyer Robertson, the Mississippi state transfer has one touchdown pass, three interceptions. And I'm just saying, and think about this, Zay, Texas played the opener against JT Daniels. Legit former five-star quarterback played week two against Jalen Milrow, who got benched after the game, but apparently could be back in the lineup this week. And thank you, Lord, for uh, for that. But um, I mean, Stevie Wonder could see that Jalen Milrow needed to be back in the game against <laughs> against South Florida. Oh my Lord. Um. And now, and then they play a backup quarterback from Wyoming who actually was pretty damn good, Evan Svoboda. He was all right. He, was all right. He, he might have been better than, than our man Peasley. Yeah, that old release, man. I like him. And now they're going to play Sawyer Robertson, another backup who is struggling. So I'm just telling you, this is a – this is a for the all the dudes in that interception battle. You know, Jalen Ford led the team last year. 
Jaron Thompson and Jody Barron said, you're not leading us in interceptions. Again. No linebacker is leading us in interceptions for a second straight year. Probably like the defensive linemen are like, Jody Barron ain't leading this team in tackles for loss. We're not having no nickel corner leading our team in tackles for loss. They, things were a little mixed up last year, but <laughs> it's going to be a good week for the Texas secondary linebackers, anyone dropping into coverage. Okay. We'll get, uh, we'll get our man, Chris Hummer, national college football writer for 24 seven sports. will join us at one 30, get his take. But Baylor, I said, coming into the year, man, something is off in Dave Aranda's program. And I, I get that he didn't hit the portal last year and the port. He did hit the portal this year. That's where he found Sawyer Robertson. Um, But he's found some help on defense. And their leading receiver, Keetron Jackson from Arkansas, is the team's leading receiver right now. So I think Aranda has figured out, yeah, man, I need to hit that portal. I need to hit that on the regular. Uh, But Byron Vaughns and Mike Smith. Mike Smith from Liberty is the team's number. He's a linebacker, number two tackler. And Byron Vaughns is also kind of an outside linebacker. He's got three tackles for loss and two sacks. So, but it's not, they're not in sync. They're not, they don't have a big time playmaker on that defense like they had when they had Jalen Petrie, Dylan Doyle, Siaka Ika, all those dudes who are now, in the NFL. So Aranda will have them scrapping and clawing and, and, you know, playing hungry. And they still got Richard Reese, the sophomore speedster running back. Who's probably going to have to carry the load. Cause Dominic Richardson has that high ankle sprain. Um, and so, you know, I'm just saying the secondary for Texas come hungry Saturday night. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Baylor, they do look out of sync. I mean, Monterey Baldwin, we've barely even seen him this year. Like, he's supposed to be one of their best players. I don't think he's touched the ball in the last two weeks. He played against Texas State, which they lost. But, yeah, against Utah and then Long Island, which – Man, Long Island's quarterback going back and watching that game this morning, Chip. This might be inappropriate, but this is unfiltered, so I really don't give a damn. I've never seen a more ghetto release than my man from Long Island throwing that sidearm, man. Like, that was wild. And even though it was 30-7, to like, they struggled with those boys. You know, like something is seriously going wrong in Waco. And they did take Utah to the end, but they blew that game. So, yeah. And Utah so, was playing with a backup quarterback. Yeah, they were also playing with a backup. Exactly. So, yeah, I think this is absolute lunch meat for the secondary. Like this is rock, paper, scissors type game. Like who going to get the interception this week? Because Sawyer, Robertson, Roberson, whatever, that dude is going to – just throws some ducks. One of the passes that he threw in the Utah game 
was just wow, bro. Come on, and he's no fleet of foot. He can run a little bit, you know. When he was coming out of high school, he was a pretty four-star, highly ranked player, and he was more of a pro-style guy. But he'll he'll run, he'll take off, and yeah, I think just a lot of these teams in the Big Twelve when they face Texas, a lot of their defense will be holding the ball so Texas offense can be on the field. Like, if you could rack up those drives that Wyoming did in the third quarter where it's 10-something minutes and it's 17 plays and stuff, so these, you know, this Texas offense doesn't get the ball and have opportunities. I mean, what, only 52 plays, only 52 snaps for this Texas offense against Wyoming when they averaged around 70? Like, that's an issue. You know, like that's the 38 minutes to Texas is 21. Like a lot of teams are going to see that. And I know Texas is front line. Like they're always locked in and stopping the run and stuff. But, hey, there are a few mistakes. Keaton Crawford, you got to intercept that ball or at least bat it down. It went right through your body like a video game back in Sega Genesis or something. And it caught and it like went right into the dude's hands. I don't know how that happened. Terrence Brooks. Hey, get your hands off him, dog. Like, what are, what are we doing? That ball went way over his head. Don't even get the ref an opportunity to make that call. So, yeah, if you're going to have long drives on the horns, that's a lot of teams' best chance of winning because if the horns are out there with Sark and Quinn Ewers and what they can be, what we saw in week two against Alabama, that makes them dangerous. And I think Dave Aranda, he's going to look at, you know, Brees, um, Richard Reese, and he's going to look at Dominic Richardson if he was going to play because Richardson, we saw at Oklahoma State, that dude's pretty good when he's healthy. So, yeah, that they're tr- probably going to try to throw the ball as little as possible and see what they could do in the ground game. And this front line, Travondre Sweat, Byron Murphy, Baron Sorrell, Ethan Berg, Running Broughton, et cetera, they got to be locked in and ready to stop the run so we could see those forced passes and this secondary can throw uh make some turnovers out there yeah i love this i love our man our man uh daryl says uh byron murphy needs a rushing touchdown this weekend hey can we get can we get our man uh jonathan brooks well brooksy has one rushing touchdown cj baxter doesn't have one yet can we get a running back a touchdown all right let's uh let's bring in our man chris hummer national College football guru, 24-7 sports. Hummer, how you doing? What up, y'all? Doing great. Not as good as Byron Murphy this week, but trying. I'm trying. <laughs> I mean, the big fella touchdowns, do they ever get old? No, it's the best thing in college football. Those guys deserve to be rewarded. Plenty of time for those young Longhorn running backs to get touchdowns. Feed, feed the guys who, uh, who win you games inside. Yeah, Fair enough, fair enough. All right, before we uh, get into the national college football scene, let's get your thoughts on these Texas Longhorns in that win over Wyoming. It was 10-10 to 10 going into the fourth quarter, and that was after Baron Sorrell came up with a big old sack to force a field goal after a 17-play drive by Wyoming that took 10 minutes off the clock in the third quarter, Hummer. Yeah, well, the first thing I was going to say is that third quarter drive by Wyoming is one of the more impressive things I've seen all season. It was just beautiful, like five yards at a time, basically, running it down Texas' throat. Um, a little surprised that Texas 
didn't handle Wyoming's run game as well as I thought they would. Um, I thought they schemed it up really well, but I thought Texas's uh, interior defensive line rotation would really help take care of that. But Wyoming moved the ball um, really well all night until the fourth quarter when they had to throw. And that was a problem with the backup quarterback. But um, I think this week of college football, I know we're talking Texas specifically, showed that pretty much everybody in the country is fallible. Um, there isn't one dominant team. And I think this was a great representation of that. If I'm a Texas fan, I'm a little nervous after the game, but I'm also really happy with the way they responded in the fourth quarter. Uh, we talked about this against Alabama. Like these are the games when they were tight that Texas lost all the time for a really long time. And for Texas two weeks in a row to respond in the fourth quarter, either to a deficit or a tie ball game, I think is promising. Hey, Chris, what did you see in Quinn yours? I mean, the game that you were at at Brian Downey up in the nose, please. The dude looked like he'd be battling with Drake May and Caleb Williams for maybe the first quarterback taken in 2024. And what we saw against Wyoming looked like 2022 Quinn yours, who might want to stay until 2024 here at the 40 acres. What'd you see with Quinn against? Before history is written. It's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. The Cowboys. A little inconsistency. Um, I mean, Quinn is... Quinn is the, one of the most talented quarterbacks in the country um, without much question, but he's also one of the more inconsistent quarterbacks in the country. And I think this week was a good reminder of that for Texas fans. Um, I'd still rather bet on Quinn Ewers than a lot of other quarterbacks in the FBS, but I think this was a game that represented that if Texas isn't ready to play and that includes their quarterback, um, they can get beat most weeks. And we're about to enter a big 12 stretch where Texas can get beat most weeks. Texas is going to be favored in every game, and justifiably so, but this team is not infallible. And I didn't really think Quinn put the ball um, in jeopardy a lot. I think he only had one throw that I can remember thinking that could have been a turnover, but um, he just wasn't sharp. He didn't connect on a lot of those deep balls you'd like him to see in matchups like this. Um, and I thought the offensive line in front of him was just okay as well, which shouldn't help. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was an uneven performance by Quinn Ewers, but that – it's really nothing new, I guess, if you're following the Quinn Ewers experience at Texas. Talking to Chris Hummer, National College Football Guru, 24-7 Sports. And Hummer, Baylor. Like, I came into the year thinking, Baylor, there's something off about Baylor. And obviously now Blake Shapin is hurt. You got Sawyer Robertson in there. He's completing 45% of his passes. I mean, that is record scratch bad um but you know randa fires his defensive coordinator ron roberts after last season and you know he didn't get into the portal two years ago now he did go to the portal this year he's found some guys who are helping him you know key teron jackson their leading receiver right now um mike smith the linebacker byron vons the former texas player prodigal um longhorn went to utah state now he's at baylor but what's going on with the with the baylor bears hummer 
I think it's a couple things. The Blake Shapin injury really doesn't help. Um, say what you will think well about Blake Shapin, who is also suffers from bouts of inconsistency. He is a considerable upgrade for that offense over what they have sort of Robinson right now. But to me, I think this is more about their defense. Um, this is, as you said, David Rand's baby. Now that he moved on from Ron Roberts, a mentor to him in the industry. That was like cutting off one of his arms. Like he and Ron Roberts are very close. And the defense just isn't getting it done. Um, Baylor's missed 31 tackles through three games. That's, I think, 10 tackles a game on average, which is a ton of missed tackles. They're not bringing people to the ground consistently. It reminds me of those Texas defenses. I think in like 2021, they were missing about 10 tackles a game. Uh, Last year, they had those issues at times too. Um, So that's not helping. And they're just not talented enough up front. I think like having Sika Ika the last couple of years really helped cover up for some stuff inside dominant interior presence but Baylor right now just isn't good enough and it's front three and really with its rush linebackers to run the defense that Baylor Veranda is comfortable running and he has run to such success dating back to his time at Utah State uh, he went to Wisconsin he obviously was at LSU as well so I think it's personnel I think it's just coaching and missed tackles and if Baylor's not talented enough and it's going to make mistakes like that defense is going to get lit up and it could be in trouble come Big 12 play if that tackling issue isn't uh, amended very quickly. Hey, Chris, what surprised you over the weekend? Obviously, a lot of upsets. Uh, One that we talked about last week, especially Chip, he said he was going to be upset, was that Missouri-Kansas State game. What did you see in that one, especially with that 61-yard field goal to ice that thing and win it? Well, that was a dope kick, man, first of all. That was cool. That was cool. I remember that kicker. Um, I think he goes by, like, the hefty kicker or something. <laughs> um, it's He missed a similar kick last year in a similar situation. For him to step up and nail that was huge. Biggest win of the Eli Drinkowitz era at Missouri. He was a guy coming into the year that would have been in the hot seat if things didn't get corrected. And, I mean, there's still a lot of time left to go in SEC play. It could get ugly for Missouri, but that team looks considerably better. And for Kansas State, I'm like, I'm not too concerned. I think I saw that Kansas State is a really good football team, but I don't know if it felt the same way to y'all. Everything just kind of feels a little hard for them on defense or on offense sometimes. It is just picker the kicker. Thank you. Thank you, CB. <laughs> that is great. I love that. Um, everything is just a little hard for Kansas State right now offensively. And it didn't help that Will Howard was hurt. But, like, they're still schemed really well. Um, I think they'll be fine in Big 12 play. I think Kansas State's not really a team I'm too worried about. But, like, it's it's still Kansas State. Like, they're going to be less talented than everybody week to week for the most part just because of the way they recruit. Um, they're super well coached. But this was an example of it. Like, they had athletes, Missouri did specifically, like Luther Burden, who made the difference in the game. And Kansas State just got beat one too many times uh, when they well, seen them open. How- how about our man Mike Gundy and Oklahoma State getting beat 33-7 to at home by the fun belt, South Alabama, which I did call this game. You did. Um, you I, did. Didn't think, I didn't think it was going to be 33-7, to for God's <laughs> sake. Hummer, what is going on in Stillwater? That's a – I mean, I did not watch this game. Uh, I was not on my calendar. Um and then I'm just looking at the box score and I remember watching the plays back and they don't have a quarterback. Oklahoma state's offense is ugly with a capital U right now. And it's, it's a tough thing to see because they had a starting quarterback. who was pretty decent named Spencer Sanders. And he's just sitting on the bench over in Oxford 
uh, Mississippi right now. And I think it's, well, yeah, it, it kind of, the reason why that split happened, and there's a couple of things, but what I kept hearing consistently is a lot of players on that offense were not happy about the direction of the offense moving forward. Mike Gundy did not make any changes this offseason. His offensive coordinator is still in place. The structure is still in place as it was. And I think you're seeing the result of that. Like Oklahoma State can't move the football. I think their quarterbacks averaged 3.3 yards per pass last week, which is laughably low. Um, That's not even a good run average. They can't run the ball right now either because people are stacking the box. And no offense to Gunnar Gundy, Mike Gundy's son, former walk-on quarterback. Like, if he is your starting quarterback going into Big 12 play, you're in a lot of trouble. And Oklahoma State is in a lot of trouble right now. Wait, coaches' kids don't go to school for free? They're wasting the scholarship on them? No, he was a, he was a walk-on. He was a walk-on, I think. Okay. He might have got put on scholarship eventually. I don't know the distinction, but he did come to Oklahoma State as a walk-on. So that – uh. Man, and I'm 40 money is still helping him out. <laughs> All right. My other my other upset alert last week was Iowa State against Ohio. And Ohio gets it done. I'm not sure. I mean, there was questions about whether a field goal was in the uprights or not in the uprights for Iowa State. But Matt Campbell, I know he wants to raise his kids in Ames, but he's got to keep winning there too. Right. Hummer. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy to think about just two years ago, there were reports that the lions offered him like a seven year deal for like $66 million. This was, he was hotter than fish grease as they like to say on the coaching (laughs) circles. He was the guy. If there was a big 10 job coming open, he was the first guy mentioned. Now Michigan state's open. I don't think I've seen a single person link Matt Campbell with Michigan state. Like it's changed a ton in two years. And Matt Campbell, I think I looked it up. He's seven and eight in his career in FBS non-conference games. And he's only one game above 500 in Big 12 play. So this is a guy straight up that is a 500 football coach. And part of that's the team he inherited. Like Iowa State was in a bad place. But Iowa State isn't trending in the right direction for whatever reason. And maybe it has to do with the bet. (laughs) Pun implied there. The bet Matt Campbell made on himself in Iowa State. But he hasn't been able to sustain momentum. Um, we talked about Oklahoma State's offense struggling. Iowa State's offense is ugly right now, too. It doesn't help that their starting quarterback can't play this season because of the bets he made, literally, um, on Iowa State football and on other things. And half their starting offense is out, it seems like, because of that scandal. So Iowa State was dealt a tough card this year. But Iowa State doesn't recruit at an elite level. So when they have situations like this, it's difficult to replace guys. Iowa State doesn't really go all in the portal either. So it's difficult to bring guys in like that. And right now, Matt Campbell, a coach that we, I think, associate with out coaching other people and keeping Iowa State in games, isn't really able to make up for the lack of roster, lack of talent on the roster. And it's getting ugly. Yeah. 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 Now he goes from almost making 70 mil in the NFL to anger management classes because he wants to fight fans <laughs> and stuff. That's just a disgrace, Hummer. Like, have you seen anything like that before from a head coach? Yeah, definitely. I definitely have. But it, it is weird seeing it come out of Matt Campbell, who's usually pretty stoic in his demeanor. Uh, but I guess that five. What, what was the exact comment that the fan said? Was it five star culture or was it talking about. Um, being on the hot seat but either way on the hot seat yeah like who cares what that fool thinks 
100%. And to be fair, I would be, it would take a lot for Matt Campbell to go to the hot seat. His contract is pretty ironclad there. And I don't really know who Iowa State would get that's better than Matt Campbell. It's not like, it's not like this is going to be a quick death for Matt Campbell or anything like that, but it, it definitely needs to get better. Iowa State can't finish at the bottom of the Big 12 two years in a row. Yeah, speaking of coaches' kids. Christian Corona. Christian Corona, giving some love to the, oh, to the one and only uh, Zay Collier. I'll bring that back up for the right call as well. Yeah, um, I appreciate that. Hummer. What were, you at? what were you averaging a game in high school, Zay? Uh, my senior year, obviously my best year, was 14 points a game. So That's like, legendary you know, stuff right there. 14 yeah, and 7. Solid. It was solid, man. Kind of like Quinn Ewers, though. For the big games, Hummer, I stepped up. If we're playing <laughs> down the competition, I might have a donut stat line all around. So Come on, Zay. Well, donut, donut stat line for me on the basketball court was very common in high school. <laughs> so you got that on me. Yeah. Hey, Hummer, yo, Billy Napier. That's a big game for them beating Tennessee. I did not expect that. I know it's been a long time since the Vols gone into, you know, Gainesville and got a dub, but that streak continues with what we saw on Saturday. That was surprising. Yeah, I I think that game is interesting. I don't think Tennessee's very good. Um, I thought I think Tennessee's over under this year was nine and a half, and I thought that was one of the safest bets in college football. Tennessee lost a ton of talent off last year's team. And I hate bringing this up because it, it feels it feels tough to say about Joe Milton, but there's a reason why he's been benched twice in his career. Like he's got one of the best arms in college football. If you just watched him stand there in shorts and throw the football, you would think he was a Greek God literally put on this planet to play, but you have to have touch. You have to have accuracy and he lacks both. And I think Tennessee's offense is really struck, struck, struggling for that. And then when you add in the fact that their defense hasn't really stepped up to compensate it, I think what Tennessee really is this year is probably a seven or eight one team. I, I didn't think this was particularly surprising. And I didn't honestly think Florida played that well. I thought they played fine. I think they did enough. And I think Graham Mertz is literally the definition of doing enough for you. I think in the context of what Billy Napier and his staff have put around him, he's good enough. But I think both of these teams are headed for probably seven to nine wins this season. And I think, I think it's great news for Georgia because Georgia, I think, looked pedestrian at times on Saturday. But like in the SEC East, where there isn't really a ton of competition to fight against, I think Georgia's in great shape. All right, Hummer, who are you picking? Texas Tech at West Virginia. I, I would still go Texas Tech. Um, I think Texas Tech is a better team, but I have been impressed by what I've seen from West Virginia this year. I think they're going to get a lot of credit for that Pitt win, and justifiably so, but Pitt is – really, really bad right now. I just trust Texas Tech's offense a little bit more. I could trust them to consistently put up points. And I can't say the same thing about that West Virginia. Some of these passing attacks, y'all, in the Big 12 are so bad. Like, I don't know how much Texas fans are watching Iowa State, Oklahoma State, and West Virginia, but those three teams putting the ball in the air, it it is a struggle. Uh, This is not the Big 12 of 10 years ago when you're watching those offenses. Uh, Patrick Mahomes might not be stepping through the door, but I definitely don't see Geno Smith in West Virginia or some of these other teams. So it is a, uh, it is bad right now. So I'll go Red Raiders on the road. Yeah. We were talking about it. What teams even threaten Texas to get into a shootout, you know, like Kansas, I think is legit because they got some playmakers. They got some speed. Um, Dylan Gabriel, Oklahoma, yeah. but yeah, I think, 
I think it's literally just I'm looking at the schedule right now for Texas. The only teams if I was Texas I'd worry about a shootout would be Kansas, Oklahoma, TCU, Texas Tech. That's it. Yeah. I, I think as long as Texas plays okay in those other games, Houston, BYU, uh Iowa State, like they're gonna roll through those. And obviously Kansas State presents different challenges, but if Texas gets beaten Big Twelve play this year, it's not gonna be I don't think because of a shootout, it's gonna be because the offense didn't hold up its end of the bargain. And the offense should be the thing holding up its end of the bargain because its offense has, I think, conservatively like five or six uh, first or second day draft picks like across the uh, unit. So Texas should be in decent shape with that moving forward. Well, real quick, um, I know we got other national games, but BYU goes to Arkansas and wins. Now they're going to Kansas. I'm very intrigued by this game because BYU's defense looks like it's gotten a lot better since last year. What are your thoughts on, on the Cougs against the Jayhawks? Yeah. um, I think I still like Kansas in this game. They were very, very, very sleepy last week. Um, Almost getting upset by a pretty bad football team. But I think when Jalen Daniels is right, and he was obviously hurt on Saturday as well. Um, so he has been hurt quite a bit in his career. But when he's right, Kansas is as good as any team in the country, or at least offensively, I shouldn't say any team in the country. That was a bad sentence. Please don't quote me on that. But, um, <laughs> but offensively, they can score with anybody in the country. I'll put it that way. And I really like the Kansas team. I still have some hesitation about Keaton Slovis and that um, BYU offense. Um, but BYU's big, they're experienced. They always are experienced just because of how their roster's constructed year to year uh, with kids taking the missions and coming in. You have 23 and 24-year-olds starting across those offensive and defensive lines, and that makes a difference. So it's a, it's a really intriguing football team, BYU, but I, I would be shocked if BYU comes into Big 12 play and consistently wins from week to week. I think it's a difficult task for that team with their talent level being where it is, at least in year one in Big 12 play. Yeah. Ole Miss versus Alabama. It was an interesting game for the Crimson Tide playing UCF and all the quarterbacks being changed. In USF. Out. USF, thank you. Thank you. Thinking even uglier. Even uglier. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it seems like Saban's going back to Jalen Monroe, which Chip and I have talked about. That makes the most sense especially just with his talents and stuff. But how do you think they're going to fare up? This is a big time, you know, ranked game right here. Well, I first want to ask y'all, how did y'all, how do you feel about the Texas win after seeing the context of that Alabama game against USF last week? I thought Saban lost his mind not putting Jalen Milrow. He must've been suspended last week. How you don't put Jalen Milrow back into that game and how you don't give him more designed quarterback runs before you decide to bench them like I told Zay last week if if this is Tommy Reese convincing Saban to bail on Jalen Milrow already without putting in any quarterback design runs then Tommy Reese is dead man walking so yeah no I I completely agree I thought it was an ugly I mean he was either suspended or Nick Saban was doing one of those, like, see, see what I told you guys? Like, these other options don't work, and he was doing it in a game where he felt reasonably safe in doing so. I think I think Alabama's a much better football team than they showed on Saturday, quite clearly. I think the Texas win still means quite a bit. 
And I, I'm still tick, picking Alabama this week. Um, I picked against Alabama at home two weeks ago, was right on that one, picking Texas straight up. And I'm not willing to bet against Alabama at Bryant-Denny Stadium twice in a row. I think Jalen Milrow makes a difference for that offense. I hope for Alabama's sake they scheme a little more to Jalen Milrow's strengths this week. And I think if you do that, with that defense playing at a pretty good high level, I think it just got worn down by Texas and some of its skill talent. I think Alabama rebounds this week and wins against Ole Miss. Um, also, Lane T- Kiffin's just talking a ton, which is not new, but like that was one of the weirdest stories I've seen in a long time. Like Lane Kiffin essentially saying that Shavaris Robinson was calling that defense and not the actual defensive coordinator. That is that is some next level mind game stuff with Lane Kiffin right now. <laughs> I'll tell you what. All right, Auburn, Auburn at AM, Hummer. This is an 11 a.m. game. The Aggies are favored by seven. This game's on ESPN at 11 a.m. on Saturday. Your thoughts? Yeah, um, this is a game of a team that can't score versus a team that can't stop anybody. So I don't know which movable force will stop the other one on this one. Um, A&M's past defense has been atrocious so far this year. We saw that in the Miami game, and Auburn can't move the ball. Um, they don't have the receivers to do it. They don't have the offensive line to do it. Um, they don't really necessarily have the quarterback to do it, even though Peyton Thornton's decent. Uh, I like AM here. I think AM is still a good football team, despite what that defense showed against Miami. I think AM has the front seven, at least, with their talented defensive line to slow down the Auburn run game, which is the only thing that's been working this year. Auburn lost one of its best secondary players earlier this week for a couple weeks to an injury. I think this game sets up for AM to uh, win at home and get a little bit of momentum heading into the hard SEC play. SEC play. Ohio State, Notre Dame, big-time top 10 matchup. It seems like Ryan Day's crew is starting to figure some things out and just giving it to all their weapons, especially Marvin Harrison Jr. But, hey, Marcus Freeman, those guys play hard for him. Sam Hartman, he's solid. What do you think is going to happen in this one, Hummer? I think this is the game I'm most excited for this week, just because I have a lot of unanswered questions about both teams and they're obviously both contenders. So it feels weird to say unanswered questions, but right now, like it would surprise some people. Ohio state has the best defense in the country in terms of yards allowed per play, at least among power five teams. And this was a unit that was completely derided last year. It was a huge problem in big moments Had Ohio state's defense played a little better last year. They win the national championship. I have no doubt about that. And for Notre Dame, I think this is an interesting test because it's really the first time we're getting to see Sam Hartman against quality competition. No offense to NC State. This should look like a much different Notre Dame team in these big spots with Sam Hartman under center, but we need to see it first. Um, I picked this game already this week. I did a cop out. I like Ohio State to win straight up, but I think the line is three and a half and I take Notre Dame with the points. Um, So I'm not feeling super confident either way. I just think Ohio State is the slightly better football team right now. All right, we got uh, Colorado at Oregon. Colorado, the storylines just keep coming. Shadur saying, I went Tom Brady mode. He and I are friends. We're the same. He's flashing his watch. He's, <laughs> he's you know, I mean, you can't take your eyes off of Colorado, but are they about to get leveled by Oregon or the, do they have something left even without Travis Hunter? Man, I don't know. I've, I've been wrong on Oregon every single week, Chip. So, like, I, I, you shouldn't even ask me this question. I picked Oregon. 
and I picked Oregon big this week. I just, I think without Travis Hunter, that already questionable Colorado secondary is in a lot of trouble. Uh, Oregon is by far the best team that Colorado's played so far this year. Um, that's a tough place to play at Autzen Stadium as well. Shader Sanders has been brilliant. Um, I don't think you can take a single thing away from him. He is just so poised. And like his ability, despite the chaos, to keep his eyes downfield and to um, just find an open receiver is very Tom Brady-esque. If you watch him in the pocket, like the way he moves around, like you can kind of see that he's been trained by one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And all the credit to him. But I, I just think Oregon has a better team and a better roster. And this is the week um, – the Colorado train starts to come off the tracks a little bit. Yeah. At this moment right now, going into week four, Hummer, who's the best team in the Pac-12? Because, man, DJU looks pretty good at Oregon State. Michael Penix with that wide receiver core. Like, they can definitely line it up at Washington. Washington State ain't no slouch. We just talked about Colorado and, obviously, Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams. Like, the Pac-12, ironically, is just booming right now. Yeah, too. Definitely ironic. The slow death by the Pac-12 of the last 10 years and the last year it's alive. It's the best conference in the country without much question. Um, I I still go, I think I lean USC. I think it's very tight between USC, Washington, and Utah as long as Cameron Rising's um, healthy. But I'll take the best player, which is Caleb Williams. And I think USC's defense has shown a little bit of signs of life this year. Um, but I... I, I probably will regret sleeping on Washington. They just kicked the crap out of Michigan State this week. They're just moving the ball effortlessly. That Washington defense looks pretty good, which it did not last year. So I think those two teams are really in a class of their own right now. With Utah, with Utah right there, if their quarterback can ever get back. All right, Hummer. Florida State at Clemson is Cade Klubnick. And that slow-moving Clemson receiving core, they got anything for the uh, for the Seminoles? I mean, Florida State's only a one-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. You know, I went into this game thinking I was going to pick Florida State by a touchdown, and then I started reading some of the stats about playing in Death Valley. So Clemson's won 41 out of their last 42 at home. They've won, I think, 10 out of their last 11 since 2010 against – AP ranked opponents like you do not win in Death Valley. You do not step into Death Valley and win football games under Dabo Sweeney. It just hasn't happened. And I was really prepared to pick Florida State and I just I couldn't pull the trigger. Like I, I picked Clemson this week. I think Clemson has a defense that's good enough to sew Florida State down. And I think last week showed what we saw Boston College do to Florida State that the right offense and the right quarterback can attack that defense and manufacture points. Do I think Kate Klubnick is that guy? I don't know. But, I mean, we ranked him as the number one quarterback in the 2022 class. You got to kind of believe. I think those Clemson wide receivers are not great. But I think, I just for some reason, I have a feeling Clemson figures out a way to get this done. And I think we're dismissing the Clemson dynasty a little too quickly. I don't, I don't think they're going to win the national championship this year. But I can see them winning this game. And I wouldn't be surprised if we saw these two teams play again um, in December in the ACC championship game. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, this, this is also the week of my big 12 upset of the year. I had central Florida going into K state and winning, but I also had K state beating Missouri. Something tells me. With Daniel green out, Will Howard questionable and Treshawn Ward doubtful for Saturday. um, UCF is going to have a shot. UCF's running the ball like crazy. 
Yeah, and and I think that's cool. a chip. I think it's a fascinating upset pick because UCF, like UCF, is a lot of things, but UCF is fast. Like they are one of the fastest teams in the country, and Kansas State is a lot of things. Super well coached, disciplined team doesn't beat itself. Some really talented players at spots, but they're not particularly fast. And UCF is going to go to Kansas, and they're going to spread things out, and Kansas is going to have to stop them. And I agree with you. I think Kansas. I think UCF has a real shot this weekend. Yeah, that game's at 7 o'clock on FS1. Hummer, you're the best. We really, really appreciate it. We look forward to it every Tuesday at 1.30, my man. Anything else you want to throw out from your notebook? Any stories we need to be tweeting or looking for? No. We've, uh, I, just check us out on 247sports.com. we got content all week on the national side. and Everybody be sure to. Keep it locked in the horns 24-7, the best Texas side out there. Hummer, we love you. Thanks, Hummer. Appreciate it, y'all. All right, good stuff, man. I love it. I love it. That gets my – once we have Hummer on, I'm ready for the – I'm ready, ready for, for a new the, week, ready for yeah. week four. Yeah. I'm like, uh-huh. let's go. Let's get to Saturday. I'm, I'm all in. Um, Zay, you want to – you know what? Let me let me tell the fine folks about uh, audiovisual consultations. My man Tom McKay. I mean, this is what's so great about Tom. Tom is a personable guy. Now he can be a little annoying at times with his hockey and all that stuff, but the guy knows audiovisual better than anyone, and he's been doing it for thirty years in Austin for all your favorite restaurants. And he can do it for you, too. He's done it for me for three of my houses. And here's the thing. All you have to do is make one phone call. Do not go looking around at televisions because, I mean, you can so that you can say, hey, I see uh, what's this box store has uh, 80-inch screen for this much. And then Tom will say, okay, I'm going to beat that price. And guess what? I'm going to come do it all for you. I'm going to bring everything to you. You don't have to do a thing. All you had to do was call me at 255-8678. And guess what? I'm bringing the big screen, the surround sound. You want surveillance. You want electronic shades. Tom and his crew bring everything to you. From the free consultation to installation, it's so simple. Just get on the books for what you want and call 255-8678. Audiovisual consultations, AV consultations, dot com tell them texas sports unfiltered sent you i mean you can say chip brown too because you know it's all part of it but just tell them texas sports unfiltered sent you all right zay i'm feeling a little better about my central florida pick after talking to hummer central florida's quarterback john rice Plumley is like questionable yeah well howard is questionable this could be a battle of backup quarterbacks. You don't give a flip about this game. No, I mean, I definitely give a flip about it. It's a Big 12 game. I like to see where everybody's at. And, you know, with how bad it is, who sticks out on being, I guess, 
a tougher team for the Longhorns. And obviously it's Kansas State, but it's a week-to-week thing. You lose a couple of guys, and that could alter and change your whole entire season. You know, I'm not saying that's going to be Cole Hudson for the Horns, but I'm looking for a little bit of a setback. Like DJ Campbell, Steve Sarkeesian talked about it. Like they, he does things where you're like, man, that's a great play. And then he does things where like, dog, you're better than that. So now that he's getting full-time minutes where he's not being in and out of the lineup, what does that look like? And, you know, you think about UCF and you think about Kansas State not having guys. Who's it going to affect more? I mean, John Rice Plumley, that dude, he could go. That dude could run. He could throw it a little bit. So he brings just something different to that ball club. And we know how good Will Howard can be. He had a couple of bad passes in the Missouri game. But, again, he was hurt a little bit. So, yeah, I'm definitely going to be locked in on this game and a couple of others in the Big 12. But, you know, with the Horns starting their Big 12 slate this week, like – all you got to do is take care of business of what's in front of you. And it seemed like, you know, from the rice game, looking forward to the Alabama game. And then after the Alabama game, riding that high of beating them, hopefully this team could get back even kill and locked in for what the bears are going to bring to the table. Well, I'm just real quick on central Florida. I don't know how many people realize this, but central Florida is the nation's number two, rushing team they're averaging 299 yards rushing per game just behind air force which we know runs the triple option and rj harvey the running back for central florida he's averaging 6.1 and johnny richardson they have this one two punch combo johnny richardson's averaging six and a half a carry and both those dudes can go. So we'll see. We'll see what uh, Gus Malzahn and the Knights have cooked up for Chris Kleiman's defense. But um, this was my preseason Big 12 upset of the year. Yeah. We'll see how Yo, that goes. Missouri quarterback Brady uh, Brady Cook, he looked real good. <laughs> uh, just putting the ball wherever he wanted to. And Missouri, they had some guys that I didn't think they had the talent there. We know, which we're going to talk to Hank South in a little bit about Ryan Wingo. That's the other team that he's considering between Texas and uh, the Tigers. But, yeah, I didn't think they had that type of talent. And those dudes, they showed out. So, yeah, Chris Kleiman, like that defense, the Big 12 defensive player of the year, you could tell he gone. Oh, uh, 6'4 cornerback that you had, you could tell he gone too. Like, what do you got now with these transfers and backups that didn't play much in 2022, the year that you won the Big 12? How's that look? You could tell they're a little vulnerable. They are. And Daniel Green out at linebacker for K-State. That's a sad deal because he came back for his fifth year. And and now he's out injured. And they'll miss him because that dude's a play maker. Um, so you look at, uh, well, BYU, Kansas. I'm, I'm fascinated because Kansas scares me, Zay. Like, if I'm looking at the schedule, 
I'm watching this game as a Texas fan because I want to see when I watched the Kansas Illinois game, Kansas looked like they were on, on fast forward and Illinois looked like they were in slow-mo and Kansas whipped Illinois, like controlled that game from start to finish. I didn't get to see the BYU Arkansas game, but I followed along with it. BYU's defense is better. And Keaton Slovis, the quarterback transfer who came in, was started at USC, went to Pitt. Now he's at BYU. He's he's spreading the ball around. These teams are both playing Texas in Austin, but you got to pay attention to that game because Kansas is coming in the following week, September 30th. Yeah. They got Neil. They got dudes. Yeah. Yeah. Neil, he's real tough. I like him a lot. And Jalen Daniels, I mean, he's what make the Jayhawks go. And, you know, you see BYU and their defense, they only allowed 21 rushing yards for KJ Jefferson. We know how he likes to put the ball on the ground and run guys over and stuff. And that's a big part of the Razorbacks offense. So they kept him in check. And him and Jalen Daniels, they're pretty similar on the way they like to be a feet of foot out there. So, yeah, it's going to be a good game. You talked about Kansas scaring you. I mean, their team scares me, that big-ass Jayhawk on those helmets. That scares me, too. That's a weird Jayhawk, man. On the basketball court, it looks fine. But on the, on the jersey and the helmet, it looks remedial. It looks off. It looks like it's on the spectrum or something. Like, something, something. Something's off about the football Jayhawk opposed to the basketball Jayhawk. I, I agree. That, it's a weird look. I don't know what they're doing. It looks like a it looks like a pelican or something. Yeah. Like the beak is way too big. Yeah, it looks like Toucan Sam had mushrooms in the Fruit Loops. <laughs> like, like it looks something's off. Something's off about it. But that big ass Jayhawk in center court of Fog Allen, like that's iconic. That looks great. Like that's on the money. But yeah, on the football helmet, and you know they're wearing black jerseys now and stuff. I don't know. It's just yeah, Lance Leipold. He has he has to get to get that together. That just looks weird. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of a mess. Um, well, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm definitely, I definitely have my eyes on that. And then uh, SMU at TCU just rounding out. Well, let me ask you this. Yeah. I mean, that's probably uh well, we'll see Rhett Lashley. I'm still trying to come around on him at SMU Texas tech at West Virginia. Zay this this is this is a fascinating game for me. I think Neil Brown's been waiting for this game. I think Neil Brown has been waiting for this game. He wants to send a message. I'm going to take West Virginia to cover in this game, if not win. What's the line? Four and a half. Tech minus Ooh. four and a half. Joey's not running it. I don't know what he's doing. He's not running his running backs. West Virginia seems to have a little bit of a chip on its shoulder. I'm just saying. 
Yeah, that was such an ugly game against Pitt. I mean, they handled their business, the Mountaineers, but both ugly. quarterbacks in that game didn't throw for over a hundred yards. So, yeah, that's just kind of what you're what you're dealing with when you play West Virginia. And it's weird, Tech man, all the hype they had coming in. Joy McGuire saying he has one of the best quarterback rooms in the country, saying that his defensive line might be better when they had a guy go first round on the D line in 2022 it's just odd for them to start this bad and yeah we kind of expected Oregon to come in and beat them but obviously that Wyoming game sticks out and yeah like we knew they had confidence in Tyler Shuck but maybe not this much confidence to where he's doing almost everything for that team and I'm with you like why aren't they running their ball you know, my man, what's his name? Richardson, the running back. I don't know, 28. Like, he could go a little bit. Uh, you know, Todd Brooks. Todd Brooks, excuse me. Yeah, he's not bad at all. Like, he hurt the Longhorns last season. So, you know, like, I think he's all right. And if he got more touches, then, you know, they might be looking at two and one instead of one and two. But yeah, Neil Brown, like, every game's big for him. This is the hot seat. Like, he's been on it for a while. And this seems like the season where it's make or break for him with Texas and OU now going to the SEC in 2024. Will he be around for what the Big 12 is going to look like in the future, bringing Colorado in? I don't know, but if he handles his business against the Red Raiders, then he'll probably stay in Morgantown a little bit longer. He doesn't have to have those for sale signs at the house. Yeah, I mean, West Virginia's run defense is – they're giving up 93 yards per game on the ground. Texas Tech's giving up 143 yards per game on the ground. I think the wrong team's favorite here. We'll see. See if Neil Brown can uh, – man, he was so pissed at Big 12 media days when West Virginia got picked to finish last in the league. He's like, well, these are the same idiots who picked TCU to finish seventh, and they went to the national championship game. There we go, Neil. Oh, he said, I promise you, we are not finishing in last place in the Big 12. Talk to him, Neil. Talk to him, man. Let them know. We might be second to last, but we ain't going to be last. And Pat McAfee was going off after the Penn State game on West Virginia about how, you know, he just thinks Neil Brown doesn't know what he's doing. Come on, Neil. Yeah, that's tough because right now Pat McAvee is definitely the most famous alma mater member of West Virginia with the platform that he has. But, yeah, I don't know. I would give Neil a pass. Penn State, they're pretty good. All right, so Kansas is trying to put a scowl on the Jayhawk? Oh, I don't know about that. All right, I'm looking it up to see. I'm looking it up, too. What are we talking about? This still looks like the happy-go-lucky Jayhawk. Oh, it looks like they went back to the 1941 Jayhawk. And that Jayhawk was angry? That well, Jayhawk threw temper tantrums? And... It has that, has that big-ass beak on it. That's what I'm saying. It looks slow. Yeah, like, it looks it bad. Looks... <laughs> It looks slow. <laughs> like just like just in a daze or something. Like just whatever was in that bird food, be careful. Like that's what it looks like. It does not yeah. look like that Jayhawk that, you know, 
in college sports we've known to love and just see all the time, especially with basketball. But, hey, I got to give Lance Lipo some credit. I mean, that dude coming from where he came from, turning that program around, you got to salute him. That's not a tough play – or, excuse me, that's not an easy place to recruit. That's not an easy place to win, you know – obviously you're going to be in Bill Self's shadow no matter what. They just won a national championship a couple of years ago. Like it's, it's gotta be tough. Well, UT parking has an interesting take on the Clemson, Florida state game. Dabo's hamstrings worry me. You can't keep sprinting downhill in khakis like that. I predict Dabo strains a hammy and mismanages the game FSU by three. Now, that is an interesting breakdown of the game. Yeah, my buoy side saying, oh, Clay Klubnick, you be I, whatever. But then my Austin Knight side with Clay Klubnick's like, dang, man, you're supposed to be better than this. And I get it. He's young. He's only a sophomore. And, you know, now there's expectations when last year DJU had the expectations and he beat him out. So it seemed like Cave Klubnik was playing a little bit more free. And this season he struggled a little bit. Some of the throws that he's had is just like, man, you're better than that, ain't you? <laughs> like some of those decision making, like you're supposed to be the next coming to Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson over there in that part of South Carolina. So Hopefully he gets it together, but yeah, this is a tough contest going against the Seminoles. Like they got something good cooking right now, even though they struggled a little bit against Boston College. But Jordan Travis, that big old offensive line and stuff, like they're going to make some serious damage, not only in the ACC, but in the nation if they keep winning. Yeah. Um, well, I look at this thing and I say, I mean, Florida State is just the better team right now, but we shall see. All right, I'm checking in with uh, with our man Hank South, recruiting guru. You want to tell the folks about uh, Covert B Cave Zay while we're loading Hank South onto the oh, air? Oh, absolutely. Covert B Cave, 42 acres on a beautiful hill, over 100 years in the business. The Covert family helping the greater Austin area with just the most beautiful cars known to man. Shout out to Dan Covert and the team. They treat us with the most hospitality that you could possibly be treated with when we go over there and do our shows and the post game, pre game, and Friday's home games where we've had Casey Sutter and Michael Griffin in attendance. And yeah, if you want to get best cars, Covert B Cave, Buick, GMC, Cadillac, Dodge, Chrysler, Jeep, Ram, seven just wonderful brands that can have you riding clean in the greater Austin area. Go to covertbcave.com for all the latest specials and inventory. Covert B Cave. All right, let's uh, let's bring in the recruiting guru from Horns twenty four seven, the one and only Hank South. Hank, how you doing? Hey, I'm good, guys. How are y'all? Hey, we are we're loving it, man. We're talking college football. We are talking recruiting right now. So, Hank, when last we spoke, things were falling perfectly for Texas. They go to Alabama. They get the big win. They had the big official. Or not official, but they had the big visitor list. 
for the Wyoming game. Um, you know, Ryan Wingo, give us the uh, give us the breakdown of the the visitors who made it in for for Wyoming. Yeah, you know, I think it was uh, it was overall a really good turnout. You know, Ryan Wingo obviously was the marquee uncommitted name on campus, the five star wide receiver from St. Louis. Um, he made it in town on Friday night, left on Sunday morning. Um, along with him, a bunch of commitments in town. Uh, it was a bye week for a lot of guys, so they were able to spend a good amount of time on campus, um, you know, just bonding, working on Ryan Wingo. Um, and it was a lot of underclassmen, too. Um, Texas had, you know, all four, all three of its top 2025 wide receiver targets on campus, uh, DeCorian Moore, the LSU commit, um, Andrew Marsh, uh, the five or borderline five-star wide receiver, um Taz Williams Jr. was on campus and and uh and and others but obviously you know the 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 big uh name was Ryan Wingo um that's what um you know everyone wanted to or who everyone wanted to hear about um coming off off the weekend and uh we were able to catch up with him on Sunday morning and and uh sounds like it it really impressed he had a really good time you know everyone was kind of worried you know the, the passing game you know um uh left a little to be desired on on Saturday evening so people were you know how is that going to affect Ryan Wingo but you know, he also watched the Alabama game, uh, and he and he 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 sees uh, the potential in Steve Sarkeesian's offense. So, uh, I think it was a, a strong visit for him. But overall, good showing, night game, new light show. Um, recruits had a good time, a lot of positive feedback. Yeah, Hank. Hopefully, he can look at it and say, "Man, they just need me out there, and I will help these guys out as a wide receiver." But you talk about Ryan Wingo. What separates him from a lot of guys in this class? I know Micah Hudson. Y'all have him rated a little bit higher. Him going to Texas Tech and on. Some Longhorn fans are still butt hurt by that. But Ryan Wingo, he's right, right beside him. What separates him and makes him a big time blue chipper? Yeah, I think, you know, just looking at him, the size is there. He's about 6'2", 205, so he's built. He's a, he's a, he's a pretty sturdy kid, um, but, you know, that doesn't lack any speed. Um, the si- He doesn't, you know, that doesn't uh, sacrifice any speed there. You know, I think he's a 10-500 kid, um, so certainly has that, that breakaway speed. Um, really good ball skills, um, really good route runner. He's a polished kid, and, and you look at his ranking, and I know the 24-7 sports composite um, has him, I think, is like the number seven wide receiver in the class. Uh, 24-7 sports ranks him number two, and he's a top 10 prospect. So certainly, you know, right up there in that in that Micah Hudson, uh, you know, caliber range in terms of, um, you know, big time guys. He's he's essentially the, the you know, one guy at Texas is trying to add at the wide receiver position to go along with uh, Parker Livingston and, and, uh, and Freddie DuBose and, and even Aaron Hampton if he ends up playing wide receiver. You know, there's still contact with Micah Hudson. I don't think he's going to flip from Tech and, you know, unless there's a coaching change, which I don't think there's going to be a coaching change to Texas Tech. Um, so, you know, Ryan Wingo is that guy. And I think that says a lot about, you know, how much, uh, you know, how highly the staff thinks of him. So Hank, any other kids who made it in for the Wyoming game who are uncommitted, who you feel like Texas maybe made some progress with? Yeah. I, I, like I mentioned, those, those three wide receiver targets in 2025, um, you know, they're, they're guys we've been talking about for a while and Decorian Moore, you know, he's not, uncom- he is committed to LSU, um, but again, he's a junior in high school. You know, he, he's still visiting Texas. He's still communicating with, you know, Chris Jackson, Steve Sarkeesian. And, you know, it, Mike Roach posted a note on our uh, on, on the flagship over at Horns 24-7 saying, you know, this isn't a recruitment that's that's over. You know, he, he he's going to take visits. He's going to still look around. Obviously, you know, LSU played really well last weekend and uh, and kind of made up for their uh, their loss against Florida State. So it's probably helping them a little bit with him. But, um, you know, I, I think. Texas is going to be right there. I think he's a guy that, you know, there's never really a, 
you know, can't miss guy, but you know, he's, he's pretty special talent. You know, I I think Texas is going to go all out to try to flip him from LSU. Um, Another guy, Andrew Marsh, you know, I think they have really helped themselves with him. Um, He's right up there with, with the Corey Moore in terms of guys they want at the, at the wide receiver position. Um, And and, uh, this was his, I think third visit uh, or maybe second or third visit this year. Um, So, you know, I I think they helped with him as well. There was one visitor that was supposed to come. He ended up having some, um, Scheduling issues, there's something came up with his family, Solomon Williams, the edge rusher from Florida. He was actually going to take an official visit, um, had to cancel it um, kind of late Friday, couldn't, or, you know, midday Friday, couldn't um, end up coming out. But I think he'll reschedule. Um, so, you know, had he gotten on campus, I think that would have been a big, um, big move for him as well. Hank, how big is Colin Simmons' influence? We know with Arch Manning, Arch Manning brought a lot of guys with him to the 40 acres, and Colin Simmons, it seems like he's working kind of like how Arch did with his name and being a top-five player in the nation out of Duncanville. A lot of guys are kind of following suit and saying, oh, man, we really like that guy. These guys see each other at camps, seven-on-seven, et cetera, so they know one another like you haven't, you know, like we haven't really seen in the past. What's Colin Simmons like influence on the rest of the nation trying to bring guys in to play for Steve Sarkeesian yeah I think he helps I don't I don't know if he's gonna have like kind of the arch effect uh, obviously you know quarterbacks maybe have a little bit more of effect in terms of you know those highly rated skill guys or just you know uh you know guys they can they can attract because you know he's gonna be throwing the ball to them or he's gonna right. be handing the ball off to them but you know Colin Simmons like you said you know he he's he's a name that everyone knows across the country. Um, I'm not sure we'll see the full effect of, you know, his work. I know he's, he said, you know, he was going to flip everybody um, <laughs> once he committed to, to the school of choice um, prior to committing to Texas. We haven't seen any flips yet, but um, you know, we're not really in flip season yet. You know, I think come late November, early December, when, when guys really start having to make decisions, you know, there, there's a bunch of guys out there, you know, whether that be, you know, Wardell Mack, Corey and Gibson, um, you know, Ty Anthony Smith, if Texas tries to make a run at him, Miles Davis, the Texas A&M commit, you know, there's guys out there, in-state guys um, that he can influence, but, you know, there might not be a more important guy than his teammate in DeCorey Moore, uh, you know, if he, if he can, uh, you know, just stay in his ear and, and try to get him uh, to come with him next year, um, that, that could be, uh, you know, just, a, just as uh, significant. So I think we'll see definitely some impact. I, you know, I think it helps, you know, I, th- I think we're going to start to see a little bit more recruiting momentum here in the next few days or, you know, later this week, there's a big announcement coming up. Um, so, but I think the full impact, maybe we might not see until later in the closer to early signing day. Hank, what, uh, what'd you make of the Longhorns game against Wyoming and your thoughts heading into big 12 play? Yeah. Um, you know, the day, like I feel like college football Saturday is kind of trend. And, you know, earlier in the day we saw, you know, teams get off to slow starts and, and games a little bit more competitive than maybe what they should have been um, across the country. You know, we saw Florida State kind of struggle with Boston College. Um, we saw, you know, Georgia was struggling with South Carolina. Um, so I, I, I think, uh, you know, it, it to be expected a little bit in terms of maybe a sluggish start. I wasn't anticipating Texas being tied with Missouri or uh, with Wyoming going into the fourth quarter. Um, but it, a lot of it was just, you know, correctable mistakes you know Quinn on some of those you know got he wasn't hit as open receivers um you know I and again you know I think Wyoming's a pretty good team you know we saw them beat Texas Tech um you know Texas has not played a a a simple schedule in this non-conference you know we even seen we've seen Rice beat Houston now and then they blew out whoever I forgot who they played this past weekend but 
pretty um pretty challenging non-conference schedule and you know coming off an emotional high like beating Alabama I think is to be expected a little bit sluggish uh, and, we, and we saw them of course pull away it could have easily been 38 to 10 had a uh, uh, Jane Blue not fumbled the ball so you know I I, I think you know this was a very impressive run. You know, I, they got the W. That's all that's important. We're not going to be talking about the Wyoming game here in a month. Um, you know, they, they won by double digits. So uh, I think they did what they needed to do. Obviously, um, some stuff they can they can work on. But, you know, it, it's it's good not to be a finished product right now. You know, you want to you want to keep getting better week after week. You don't want to reach your ceiling, um, you know, after week three. So entering Big 12 play, um, you know, you look at this schedule and, you know, this is it, it's Texas is for the taking, you know, Oklahoma is obviously, I think more better than maybe what we anticipated entering the season. That'll be a challenge. You know, BYU has looked really good against Arkansas. They're undefeated. Um, you know, Kansas will be a challenge, Kansas state, but you know, Texas is going to be favored in every one of these games. So, you know, if they can keep taking it week by week and, you know, just keep getting better, you know, I think they're going to have a really successful season. Yeah. Well, Hank, what, uh, any thoughts on the Baylor bears, um, you know, last year they had that, they probably should have beaten TCU. They led Texas in the fourth quarter, but they finished, you know, what, six and seven. And now they get beat by Texas state. Um, they played really well against Utah, which had a backup quarterback, but then Sawyer Robertson throws two late picks and Utah comes back from a 10 point deficit and wins. Any thoughts on the Baylor bears? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's it's going to be a challenge. You know, Dave Aranda's a really, really good coach. Uh, I think he's going to have a really good game plan in place. Like you said, they played Utah, who's an, an tremendously talented team that that uh, really took it to Florida, who's now turned it around and took it to Tennessee. So it, it's going to be a challenge um, for Texas, especially night game in Waco. You know, their fans are going to show up. It's going to be a loud environment. Um, so, you know, obviously, uh, Sawyer Robertson, you know, the Texas isn't going to see – the starter, they're going to see uh, see him, so maybe that little bit of an advantage. But um, you know, I, they're just going to have to be mentally ready. You know, it's 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 they already have that kind of uh, that experience going into. T- I don't think there's a tougher place to play at night than uh, Bryant Denny Stadium, so it shouldn't be a super foreign atmosphere for them. But you know, they're going to have to clean up those mistakes. You know, it might not be as forgiving playing a playing a Baylor as it is. You know, Wyoming able to kind of be sloppy, hang around, and then pull away in the fourth. They're going to have to you know, put together a few better quarters. So I, I think it'll be a good challenge. It'll be a good opener. Um, and, um, you know, I, I expect Texas to win, but, um, you know, it, it, it could be uh, – it'll be a test. Any other items? I know you've got in the stampede today, you talk about, you know, resetting Texas's recruiting board uh, going into Big 12 play. But any any other nuggets or things to watch for this week or, yeah. you know – yeah, um, the big big announcement this week um, on Sunday. Brandon uh, Brandon Baker, the five star offensive tackle from Matter Day High School. Um, actually, right earlier today, we saw um, both Greg Biggins, our West Coast analyst for twenty four seven Sports, and Steve Wilfong, our national uh, national recruiting director. Crystal balled him to Texas. We've been saying, you know, Texas is in good shape um, from what we've been hearing. You know, they've really started to to trend for Brandon Baker ever since his official visit in the summer. You know, Oregon's been in it. Ohio State's been in it. He took a visit to Georgia. Um, Nebraska, I think, hosted him this past weekend. But Texas is in a good spot there, and that's kind of been their their key guy. They're trying to, to add to this uh, group with uh, Daniel Cruz and, and Nate Kibble. Um, so that'll be a, uh, an announcement to watch on Sunday. Um, 
other announcements coming up, you know, Dan, Danny Okoye is announcing, I believe tomorrow, I think he's going to go to Oklahoma. So, you know, probably safe not to tune into that if you're a Texas fan <laughs> And then uh, going forward, you know, we'll see. Um, I think it'll be another big visitors weekend for, for Kansas. Um, you know, there's, there's one guy we're, we're keeping an eye on. I, uh, it's Brandon Baker's teammate, actually, uh, Deandre Carter, who's committed to Auburn, um, uh, high, uh, high four-star guard or interior offensive lineman. He had an, a, a tentative official visit schedule for Texas for that Kansas game. Um, but obviously he's committed to Auburn now. So we're kind of just waiting to see if he's going to, uh, to follow through and take that visit. But again, I think, you know, you'll see a lot of commitments, uh, it's two thirty game. So, um, have some time to get on campus come Saturday morning, um, drive out and, uh, probably some more underclassmen as well. So, um, that's kind of the, the, what we're watching to wrap up September. And then, you know, obviously we'll get into to Red River shootout and, and, uh, and just keep going from there into early signing day. Brandon's Yo, team. Hank, man, you're OG calling it the shootout still, man. That's why oh, I'm yeah. with you. You're my guy. I, yeah. I dig that, man. It's always <laughs> going to be the shootout. You can't change it, man. No. I can't cancel that. It's the shootout. I agree. Uh, I before agree. Chip says what he has to say, uh, basketball. I know it's we're still in football season, about to start conference play, but still Rodney Terry, this team in 2023, you know, they look like they could be pretty good. I'm 2024, I mean, and I saw you put out a basketball tweet the other day about a kid coming in. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so um, Texas has been just, you know, n- not quietly, but I mean, with, with all the football buzz, they've been having some big-time visitors on campus the last few weeks. Um, this past weekend, Nicholas Cody, the four-star power forward from uh, from uh, Carrollton. He was on campus for his official. He was the only official visitor. So got a little, a lot of one-on-one time with the team, with the coaching staff, went to the football game. Um, it was his second visit um, to Austin. So he's getting more familiar with it. We caught up with him um, yesterday evening. You know, nobody ever, uh, there, there's very few bad official visits. I mean, everyone has a good time on official visits. Um, you know, he, he got a lot of time with the team. Like I said, he spent time with Miles Turner as well. He was on campus. Um, and actually spoke with Steve Sarkeesian as well, which I, I always think that's interesting. When I was covering Alabama, a lot of the official visitors would talk to Saban, um, it, you know, just to kind of go, go through the whole facility tour, everything and, and see everyone. So now we're seeing, um, you know, basketball visitors. I don't know if that's a common thing for other places, you know, to, to talk to the football coach as well, but he was able to meet with Sarkeesian as well. Um, I think Texas is, is in a good spot for him, but uh, he's a guy that has, four more official visits he's going to take to Houston, LSU, two other places. I forgot that it's in my story um, before he makes a decision just before Halloween. So, um, you know, we'll see if Texas can withstand those visits and, you know, if, if he decides to go elsewhere, but, you know, they've hosted other guys like uh, Asa Newell, um, Curtis Givens, uh, Josiah Mosley, who's a uh, local from Round Rock. So they're putting to, uh, you know, the fish, not really the finish, finishing touches on this class, you know, it's still a few months away from signing day, but certainly, you know, they're involved with guys, they're in top targets, they're, you know, on the short list for all these guys. And I, I think they're going to put together a pretty strong class to go along with Cam Scott. So Hank, just to take it back to football for a second, um, Brandon Baker, the number one offensive tackle in the country. Correct. Yep. He's announcing uh, the time. I, th- I think it's Sunday afternoon, but he's announcing on 24 seven sports on the YouTube page. Um, so we'll have, you know, all sorts of coverage on that. Um, I'll probably be putting in a crystal ball prediction for Texas as well. You know, we've been, we've been saying it just haven't fully gone all in on uh, our crystal ball just yet. Big time, baby. Right. The uh, how much is the pancake factory helping out with that? I know it's all under Texas one fund now, but. Man, that pancake factory came around at just the right time. (laughs) 
No, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, Kyle Flood too, you know, the, I, I covered Kyle Flood's recruiting efforts at Alabama. Um, he's a really good recruiter. Guys really like to learn from him as, as players and, and he's able to really connect with guys um, on the recruiting trail as well. So certainly all sorts of, uh, all sorts of things benefiting Texas there. Well, listen, we appreciate the time as always love the conversation every Tuesday afternoon. Um, keep up the good work and everybody needs to get over to horns 24 com to follow along on all things Longhorns recruiting from uh, my man. You know, Mike Roach, Hudson Standish helping out as well. So um, Hank, thanks so much, man. Yep. Thanks guys. Thanks for having me. We'll see you next week. Thanks Hank. Thank you. Come on, Zay. Brandon Baker, number one tackle Whoa. in the in the nation. Yo, man, that's Sark's California connection right there. Like for him to say, oh, I could easily go play for Lincoln Riley in that high powered offense, and they're about to go play in the Big Ten and stuff like that. He said, No, I wanna move states. I wanna get away from mom and pops. I wanna I'm down to Texas, and I like what they got going on there and playing the SEC. That's huge, man. That's huge. And Kyle Flood, just like Hank said, that dude, he knows how to recruit. And they got a plethora of big dudes there now. It's just everybody has to get on the same page. And I mentioned DJ Campbell now being the for sure starter with Cole Hudson and that injury being out for a few weeks. Like, you know, here we go. Like the big dudes, they got to make their mark, man, because these three weeks that we've seen, just I'll give them a B minus, maybe even a C plus. Like I'll, I'll keep it at B minus because Quinn Ewers didn't get tackled in the Alabama game, and obviously that was the big one. But these other games, man, just Sark talking about, oh, they game plan for us, that we didn't think that what they showed on film is what they show, didn't show on the field, all that crap like that. Hey, at the end of the day, just move, guys. Run the football protect Quinn, do what you have to do. And adding somebody like this along with the guys that they have on the bench that are over 300 pounds, like, I think that's huge. So things are moving in the right direction, like big humans, pancake factory. That's what the horns lacked these last few years, just a lot of big guys that could go toe to toe with some of the best in the big 12 in the nation. And now you're starting to see that more and more starting with guys like Kelvin Banks and Christian Jones coming back for a sixth year. So yeah, that, that has to keep up because in the SEC, you can't be little, you can't be light in the ass, man. You'll get exposed. So we talk about Brandon Baker, maybe wanting to get away from the, you know, from the, from the fam, go spread his wings. When you went off to Edinburgh, to play for uh, Paris. Oh, you went to Paris. Or the Paris. Yeah, my coach came from Edinburgh with his dirty self because he got fired for NCAA violations. Then <laughs> went to Paris. Yeah. Okay. And give me the give me the school again. Paris Junior College. Okay. PJC, the Dragons, one of the well, better junior colleges in the nation when it comes to basketball has won national championships on that level. So yeah, way over my head, Chip. I was way over my head. So, no. So when you went off to Paris to become a dragon, were you kind of looking to get away from the, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I was still too close. 
I was still six hours. That's still too close because something goes wrong. Mom and pops, they dropping everything and coming up to see you. because That's still a drive. It's not like a, we got a fly situation. They didn't do that, but, you know, you could catch my drift there. But, yeah, man, there's nothing like that feeling of getting out of mom's house and that freedom that you have. Man, it could be a gift or a curse. You know, we talk about these guys getting that love in Alabama and stuff like that. I know that love that they got, they've never experienced before in their life. So can you blame them being a little rusty against Wyoming? You know, as a human, I get, you know, we critique these guys as athletes, but as a human, all that temptation, all that stuff that you have to go through, just trying to find yourself as a young adult that you got all this freedom and stuff. Yeah, it could be a gift and a curse. And for me, it was probably a little bit more curse than gift, but hey, I'm I'm here now and that's a blessing in itself. But yeah, I, some guys, they just want to get away. Horrible. Horrible. Paris, yeah, Paris is a horrible place. Like, again, I'm a big-time city guy. You know, even though Austin is small, like, I'm a city slicker, man. I love Houston. I love Dallas, even San Antonio. You know, like, it was it was a hard adjustment for so me. So what did they have, like a midnight rodeo? Yeah, they had, like, one little club spot, which it was like a midnight rodeo type of thing, even though they would have different nights, like, oh, Thursday's hip-hop night, and Sunday's country night, and Saturday's everything, you know. It was one of those, and everybody... Did you throw your boots on in two-step? I will now. Back then, uh, You can uh, two-step? Yeah, oh, yeah. I can groove. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I step with the best of them. Absolutely. I'm not saying um DeMarvion Overshown when it comes to this country life, but I know that dude could seriously two-step coming from Art, Texas. But yeah, I, I can get down a little bit. Absolutely. You called it. DeMarvion Overshown needs a reality show. Yeah. That dude's hilarious. Oh, he's great. I would great. I would watch that show. Yeah. Like, no offense to my man Griff and Rack. And the Cupcake Men, which I still haven't seen. But they need to pitch a DeMarvian Overshown show, get a producer credit on that. Oh, maybe, yeah. Maybe you and I do. Shoot, man. I'll do it. Go behind the scenes of rehab right now and trying to get back to being 100% because he was going to play this year for Dan Quinn and that Cowboys team. Like they loved everything about him from special teams and stuff. And we know it's just a game of football, you know, injuries happen, which is, you know, unfortunate, but yeah, that dude, he's just a character in the best way. And he embraces his countryness, you know, not too many country brothers out there riding horses. That's just, (laughs) that's not the thing, but he makes it cool. And, you know, we saw his wardrobe walking the DKR for, for the games and stuff. He is a fly guy, and I can't wait for him to bounce back and get on the court, get on the field, excuse me, in 2024. Who's the, who's the, the rapper who sings, uh, I got the horses in the bag? Oh, um, Lil Nas or Nas, no? yeah, Lil Nas X. Is it? Yeah, yeah, Lil Nas X, Old Town Road. Yeah. Lil Nas X, yeah. <laughs> well, so I got there's a we have a Hollywood producer who listens to the show, JD. I'm not even going to tell him I'm saying this, he's going to hear this and then he's going to text me. I'm going to say, JD, 
don't say we never gave you anything. Go get the reality show with tomorrow being over show. Yeah, for real. And we would take care of them. Unlike uh, blindside parents, we, we hook them up. We want them to have his best life. We ain't going to lie. We ain't got to lie about nothing. That's a damn shame how they did my man, Michael Orr. He's traumatized, Chip. Traumatized. They what did the him heck? so wrong. <laughs> and, you know, it's not yeah, that, Andrew Bullock's or Tim McGraw's fault, but. That's a 30 family, for 30. Yeah. I would Where love the, to see that. Yeah. Let's go. I would love to see that. I mean, what, what hit me, Chip, about that whole story, because they made Michael Orr seem like he was slow. Like, you know, with the test and stuff and just he didn't understand certain curriculum when it came to trying to pass classes and just his schooling and stuff like that. And he said that was a problem and an issue when he got to the NFL because they just assumed he couldn't get certain things. So they wouldn't throw it at him. And he felt like he could have got more money, but they assumed that he wasn't the brightest star in the sky. And that hurt him. So now this dude's like, yo, that movie, as much as everybody loves it, kind of screwed me. (laughs) It kind of screwed me over. And that's very unfortunate and very sad because, you know, I love that movie. Now I don't know how I feel about it. I'll probably watch the program before I watch that. But, But, you know what I'm saying? Like, now that story just has, you know, a dark cloud over it, like the blind side. That's a dark story now. And, you know, something that we thought was very positive has now become very negative. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You remember the program, Chip? That's my point right there. Oh, my God. man, that's a classic. My man. Latimer. Yeah. (laughs) On the steroids. Oh, Latimer. My man Omar Epps fumbled in practice, and we had to carry the ball with him throughout campus. Oh, yeah. Knock the ball out uh, in class, and everybody was trying to jump on it. Listen, I don't know if Zay's going to make the program the right call, but before we get to the right call, I got to tell you about Salt Traders Coastal Cooking from my man Jack Gilmore, the same Jack who gave you Jack Allen's Kitchen has got Salt Traders Coastal Cooking. If you love oysters, this is your place. Um, And we told you, of course, it's your new Monday night happy hour spot for Monday night football because you got all night happy hour at Salt Traders Coastal Cooking. We're talking from 3.30 to close. But they have happy hour from 3.30 to 6.30 every night so just get over to uh to salt traders coastal cooking you're gonna love the seafood you're gonna love the oysters you're gonna love the happy hour uh two great locations in austin or round rock but make a note fellas you wanna you wanna make monday night football date night this is how you do it you take her to salt traders coastal cooking so make that little note and take your, you know, take your girl or for our female listeners, take your guy to Salt Traders Coastal Cooking and thank us later. All right, folks. 
It's time for my man, Zay Collier's right call. What do we got for the right call today, Zay? I don't know. Now you got me on the program, man, and I'm reminiscing. Before we get to the actual right call, let's just give a shout out to Omar Epps, the greatest athlete actor of all time. Dude was literally played an athlete in three different movies at the D1 level. The program, football player, he was a track star in Higher Learning, the John Singleton film, which is pretty deep and really good movie. It's, you know, got to be in a different headspace to watch it because it's deep. And then Loving Basketball with Sanaa Lathan. He was a basketball player for USC. So that dude, talk about athlete and range. That dude's got some range. Shout out to my guy Omar Epps, man. But, yeah, the right call today, Chip. I don't know if you've seen this, but Giannis Antetokounmpo, the basketball player, former the Greek MVP, freak, yep, Greek freak, former MVP, former NBA champion. I salute him because he talked about in a recent podcast that he's still trying to get better, even though he's been on the top of the mountain, he's still trying to improve his game. There's things that he can work on because we know in basketball, as you age, your athleticism starts to decline. So in order to keep on playing, you better find something more simple in your game that you don't really have to use athleticism for. Jordan did it with his fadeaway. You know, Kobe did it with just shooting more jumpers. LeBron's done it. Like all the greats have done it. But for Giannis, he says he's going to go to Houston and work out with the dream, Hakeem Olajuwon, which is genius, absolutely genius. Talk about somebody that as as creative as we've ever seen a big man be with his footwork, the dream shake, the up and unders, the fadeaway. Like Hakeem's bag was very deep. And, yeah, him giving out game to – the younger generation, I salute them for it. I really do. But in order to see Hakeem Chip, this dude is charging 50000 a session. Okay, look. <laughs> Hakeem the Dream just Hakeem turned it into Hakeem the Nightmare. Like, dog, look. you Is the family still in Africa? Because if that's the case, then I get it. But we're supposed to bring the family to America and let them live with you and live that good life. I don't know if it's 50000 worth. And, again, this is Dream. Like, he was one of the greatest. People say if Jordan was still playing, the Rockets still would have had two titles. I don't know about that, but it's great debate. I 50000 is a little hefty for something that you could watch on YouTube. And you can watch those moves that he does, Chip. You can watch that and then go out and <laughs> do what Dream did. You can go and watch it. Like, what's – I don't know. It's just, I guess, the aura that he has. But uh, 50,000 and Gilbert Arenas, he had a video, which is hilarious. He went off. He's like, NBA players, don't do this. This is just stupidity. People, you got Herm Edwards with the NFL talking about how you need to save your money. Well, I don't know who the spokesperson is or who that role model is for the NBA, but 
if you come in as a rookie and they bring you in and sit you in that big old auditorium and you have that guy talking to you, one of the first things that he should say is, yo, I get working on your game. Don't ever go work out with Dream for 50000 for one session. Which it might one session might be one week, I don't know, but a lot of the greats have done it. I think Braun and Kobe have worked out with Hakeem. I just don't know if he charged those guys. So, yeah, Dream, like again, they're coming to you, they're going to Houston. It's not like he's flying Hakeem all the way out to Greece or something, like he's coming to Houston. And again, Hakeem's up there now. He's a little older. He probably can't get around like he once did. So this is time-consuming for him. I understand that. But 50 thou, 50 thou. Come on, Dream. Come on, dog. Wow. He is pricing that for his clientele. He's like, I see the Greek freak making $200 million. He can... He can throw 50K my way. I've been giving my money to all those causes. And now I may need to replenish my own bank account a little bit. But Zay, this is how, first of all, Akeem was, that five Slamma Jamma team was my team. That was, that was when I was like in high school. And I don't know if you've ever seen the final four game between Louisville and Houston, like forget the final against NC state. That was, that was great, whatever. But the semifinal between Houston and Louisville was a dunkathon. There was a dude named Benny Anders. You had Clyde Drexler. You had Larry Mishaw. And Akeem, who dunked on everybody, but you had Daryl Griffith for Louisville, Dr. Duncan Stein, that game, like everybody should go YouTube that game and just be like, oh my, because it was up and down the floor. It was one dunk after another. It was the most athletic display. I'm getting chills thinking about it. That was 40 years ago. Yeah. I'm just telling you. Yeah, man. That's, that's the game. YouTube. Yeah, I definitely need to go check that out because you only hear about Jimmy V and that NC State team just upsetting the five summer jamma, which, you know, they should have won a title. I know they went up against the Hoyas and that NC State team, but, man, you got Clyde, Hakeem. Like, how could you not win a title with those dudes? Which is so it's very hard. Benny Anders has the best dunks in that game. Yeah. And Benny had the he had the Jerry curl. <laughs> he was so he was so on top of his game, man. I thought, "Oh, this dude's going to be something in the NBA." Never heard from him again. Oh, man. A lot of drugs I, going around back then, Chip. Yeah. A lot of sniffy sniffy going around back then. Man. A lot of derailers. Yeah. A lot of derailing influences. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, you're you're right about Hakeem. He sees what Giannis is making and was like, yo, I didn't make this. I was the MVP of the league too. And I definitely wasn't making this. I paved the way for you guys to be making this money. And we got guys that are ninth, tenth on the bench making 
what I'm making in one contract in a whole year. Like, yeah, you got to be a little salty about that. So, Hakeem, you're trying to get it back. You're trying to get it back as, you know, easy as he can. And But, but again, Zay, I just looked ahead. it up. Akeem made $110 million in his 18-year career. So please tell me that he didn't burn through all that. I, I hope not. I hope not. I mean, I don't know how many times he went back and forth to Africa. That ain't a cheap ticket. <laughs> but, you know, maybe he bought some pet lions from his homeland or something over and kept him like Mike Tyson or something like that. I don't know. I, I hope he didn't blow it either. I think he just stays in Houston. He made that home from his college days and obviously his pro days, but damn man, like what can you teach me that I haven't seen on TV? Like what's the difference between you saying it, which other coaches say it's just Hakeem telling you and which dream probably has some tricks and stuff that others just never seen before, but kind of like what I said about the, you know, really good players during their time coming back and coaching the same game they played and how a lot of them struggle because they don't realize that they were just so much better than everybody else when they played. So they can't put that energy out in coaching because they got, I wouldn't say normal Joe Schmoes, but they got guys that are less talented than them trying to do what the coach did. And it never works. Like it's one of those situations. Like what's dream going to tell you, you know, like, that's just that's what I'm finding hard to fathom like for 50 thou what is he gonna tell you that another coach that knows what he's doing isn't that you can't just go watch on YouTube like you said you know I mean you're the you're the anti-infomercial like Akeem's like yo Zay I can like the Greek freak can cut me a check Real easy for 50K. But he don't even need it. That's the thing. He's like already one of the best in the league. I get it improving your game, which I salute him well, for did, that. Did, but what about, did, what about normal Tiff man on the bench? Tiff man on the bench that only gets five minutes a game, only when it's a blowout or something like that, who's trying to improve himself. That's not getting that crazy money. Is he charging them that? Right. Is, he, is he charging them that too? Who They need it more. I need to see you more, Dream. I'm not Giannis. I don't have the arms and the height and the athleticism. So I need this more than him. Are you charging me that? <laughs> Are you really going to charge me 50K, man, for a week? Wow. For a week? So did, did, did Giannis say he's going to, like, did he did he bring up the 50,000 on yeah. the podcast? Yeah. And he said he's going to pay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He said no problem. Yeah. Yeah. He said it's no problem. I so. bet that's just the Jonas rate. <laughs> just for him? Yeah. Just for yeah. him. Yeah. It must be. It, it must be. But Hey, what was the name of that joint you went to in Paris? The Honky Tonk? I don't remember. That's You've just wiped all that out of your mind. Yeah, I did. I did. And then that's when your boy, you know, was probably under the influence of some things that I shouldn't have been under the influence of. So especially when I wasn't 21 yet. But, you know, that's okay. We got I made any, it, mom and dad. I made it. I'm we fine. got any we got any positive memories from your time in Paris? 
Um, yes. My wife wouldn't like my positive memories, but I gotcha. do have positive memories. Okay. <laughs> I do. Right. Yeah, I, I do have some positive memories. Yes, absolutely. Like, what, 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 you got any, like, memories of the car you drove out there? Like, did it hold up well, the for girl, you? My parents didn't let me drive a car, bring it up there, because they knew I would be up to no good if I had my car up there. It probably wouldn't make it back to Austin. Uh, so that was smart on them. Great parenting, Annie and Cece. The girl that I was talking to, or one of the girls I was talking to, let me drive her car around. So I was that degenerate boyfriend guy that dropped the girl off at work and they just took the car around town was up to no good and picked her up you know i was that dude for a couple of smooth baby yo teenage days smooth, smooth man smooth man love days. Love i love it days. i love it well you know it's always good to appreciate where you are now by looking back at those not so great times, you know? Oh yeah. I'm a better man because of all those times and all my mistakes and all the positive things that have happened in my life. I learned to live with them. And where's Tom Schubert now? Somebody actually told us last week. Somebody looked that up. I want to say Jackson State. Oh, he's still coaching. He's still coaching. The dude could coach. I'll give him that. As far as X's and O's goes and knowing what he talks about, like knowing what the hell he's doing, he gets it. But as far as just being personable and being like a good person, mm, I don't know. Maybe he's learned some things, but – yeah, man, you can't be having five-hour practices and stuff. What's wrong with you? Yeah. so Not when uh, we got to get to the honky-tonk. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah, man, exactly. So, All right, looks like it's time to bring in KD. What's up, guys? How are y'all? What's going on, Kevin Dunn? Kevin? Great show, y'all. Well, Appreciate it, man. We appreciate that, man. So we're waiting for Trey. So y'all may want to keep on rolling until Trey was at the uh, had to retrieve a kid from the nurse's office. So uh oh, I've been there. I've been there. We all look at him. There you go. He's back from the nurse's office. He's got his kid over his shoulder, (laughs) and you have safely retrieved said kid from the nurse's office, Trey. What's up, guys? Thanks for uh, hanging out for an extra minute or two with KD as I ran into an unexpected scenario as I went to grab the kids from school at 2.45. The second grader's teacher comes out, says the boy banged his head when he was retrieving his backpack at the end of the day and left a sizable knot on his forehead, but his dad is one lumpy-headed fool, so I guess it's only fitting that son follows suit. Well, man, my head, guys. It looks like a like an unhealthy potato if there's no hair <laughs> on top of this head. So I'm just gonna have to hold on for dear life with what's left going forward. Well, man, we're gonna let you move forward with your lumpy headed greatness. From uh, from us to you, we will be listening to your lumpy headed greatness. You know what I'm saying? I appreciate that. Great show today, guys. Appreciate you. Y'all have a good show, man. Y'all be cool. 
Now, what happened to KD? He's turned into a swirling, like, little cyclone there. He is in perpetual loading <laughs> mode right now, apparently. <laughs> he is in circular motion. Oh! All right, he's going to reload, it looks like. He'll be back in just a second, I'm sure. Well, what what's your gut right now while I've got you, Trey, on the uh, Saturday's game in Waco? This was a game that at the start of the year, Chip, that week leading up or weeks leading up, I said was a game that I had circled as one that was a potential trap. And I no longer feel that way now because Baylor has obviously had a hard time beating Texas State at home much less this Longhorns football team that is going to make life miserable for a Baylor offense that is already not very good. Now, I will be interested to see, because Baylor does like to throw the ball down the field, how that tests the safeties and the cornerbacks and their ability to stick with some athletic Baylor wide receivers. But ultimately, this game is a shell of what I thought it would be at the start of the year, in part because Blake Shapin is not under center or behind center as modern college football parlance has it for the bears for at least one more week. And so ultimately I have Texas winning this one going away, probably a, a two to three touchdown win for them. Yeah. Yeah. Baylor can't stop the run. That's what's like, wow. So here's the big question right now, because if you're Steve Sarkeesian, it's well established this year that you do want to throw early on in the game, not just in terms of the game itself, but also on first and second downs to try and advance the ball forward to get Quinn Ewers and his receivers comfortable. But because of what you saw out of Jonathan Brooks last Saturday, and also the fact that you just mentioned Baylor is not very good at stopping the run. I think you, hopefully if we're as Longhorn fans, we see Steve Sarkeesian make that shift and insist on running the ball a little bit more early on. Do you think we see that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I want to test that Baylor run defense immediately, see how they're going to play it. And if they don't have the dogs up front to do anything about it, then we'll just pound away all day, run it 50 times, bleed that clock and grind them into the dirt, you know? Yep. Our guy, Kevin is having some serious. <laughs> He's bouncing around like a, like a Super Bowl. Tried to uh, start him up like a 1970s Chevelle. Oh. He'll get started. And then the engine cuts off again. That engine being his internet connection in the apartment. So <laughs> um, if you have anything that you need to do, I'm fine holding it down for a minute. Otherwise, you and I can uh, continue the conversation. I don't want to keep you too much longer, though. Well, I, uh, I always appreciate the, uh, the handoff. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So. You take it away, my man, and uh, hopefully KD will be super balling his way right back onto these uh, airwaves. Sure, he'll be here in the next minute or two, only to drop off again. Great job today, Chip. We'll talk to you tomorrow. All right, appreciate you.